Right now, I am joined by one of our good friends here at ESPN West Palm from the top-rated law offices of Gonzalez and Cartwright, PA, a man who serves the needs of the local community with offices in West Palm Beach, Lake Worth, and Pompano, talking, of course, about Charlie Cartwright. Charlie, I always enjoy our chats because they are informative and full of important information, but that said, I think that practicing law can be so daunting for the average person like me that people just kind of tune things out because it's like drinking from a fire hose. We don't know what to remember. So that's why today I want to review two topics from a past chat that I know are very, very important, and that is taking photographs of an accident and communicating with witnesses. So Charlie, let's just start with the photographs and how they are so integral when documenting an accident. Very often, all we get from an accident scene is a copy of the police report and a, and, and a diagram from the police officer, which is a black and white, two-dimensional, essentially pencil drawing of what happened in the accident. Very often, photographs of the vehicles, photographs of the scene, any skid marks, the final rest of those vehicles and how they appeared at final rest can be very valuable, extremely valuable in proving a case. And having that from the accident scene helps us help you. And so if you're able to or somebody in your vehicle is able to in the event that you're incapacitated such that you need to go to the hospital in an ambulance, having those photographs available to us it can be immensely important. Again, here with Charlie Cartwright from the law offices of Gonzalez and Cartwright, PA. So, Charlie, we touched on the photographs a little bit. Let's talk about the witnesses and how important they are. I'm glad you brought that up because this is very recent in my mind. It's not uncommon, but, you know, it's one of those things, well, it happened again. We have a, a new case that came in. It's a car accident, two young ladies in a car in their early 20s. One of my clients has a fracture in her knee and ligament damage in her knee from the accident. The other one, um, you know, has facial lacerations and neck injuries. This accident happened late at night on a Friday night, Saturday morning. The other driver ran a red light. Our clients had a green arrow. The other driver ran a red light and crashed into our client's vehicle head-on. A witness stopped at the scene, helped everybody, told our clients, listen, you know, I saw the accident. This wasn't your fault. You know, I'm going to try and stay here till the police get here. And, of course, the police take 20 minutes. Um, it starts raining outside. The woman says she's going to go get in her car, and after a while just leaves. So we have a live witness to the accident. If we had just gotten her name and her cell phone number or exchanged text or something like that, we would know how to get in touch with her. At this point, we can't. She's in the, in the wind. Nobody will ever know who this person is. We canvassed the, uh, the businesses at the intersection. We've had an investigator out to try and see if any of the businesses at the intersection have video um, from their security cameras that might cover the intersection. None of them do. So what does all this mean to us? Well, we have a police report that says it was the other vehicle's fault. But everything said in that police report is privileged, and none of it's going to come into evidence. 
the person who is driving the other vehicle can always change their mind and say, nope, nope, I had the green light. Uh, if these people are you know, going to sue me, I better say I had the green light because I don't want to pay them. We have no way to disprove that with an independent witness or independent video anymore. So the moral of the story is if there's a witness at the scene who's willing to talk and saw the accident, please, if you can, you know, exchange text with them, get a name and a phone number so we can get in touch with them. Because, again, that really helps us prove our case. But if you don't get any, anything that identifies them and they leave the scene before the police get there, you'll never find them. Again, here with Charlie Cartwright from the law offices of Gonzalez and Cartwright, PA. And, Charlie, just to follow up on the photographs, I think it's important to note that the photographs are crucial not only in an accident involving two or more vehicles, but also a single-person accident or even when someone is on foot. I remember you brought up an example of a client who was injured in a parking garage because of some unmaintained steel rebar, and you might not think of taking a picture if you have a slip and fall because of that. And I understand that it might be a bit embarrassing. You just want to hop up on your feet and kind of move on with your day. But it can be integral, crucial to do so because if the parking garage goes back and they repair the object that caused harm and you don't have any photos of said object and the angles or the lighting that may have caused the slip and fall, you might be out of luck. Well, I mean, you're not out of luck, but then it becomes just your word mm. that, uh, you know, the the rebar was sticking out and, and it was hard to see, and it, it was sticking out in the manner that caused you to fall. Look, um, insurance companies have spent the last 40 years trying to convince the general public that these personal injury claims, and that this is going to lead into our discussion in a little bit, but have spent the last 40 years trying to convince all of us that these personal injury claims are all fabricated, fake, and phony. And so anytime you go into court um, and you sit in front of a jury pursuing a personal injury claim, they're immediately looking at you skeptical of the case. That's just the general public's initial reaction because of the... uh, convincing nature of what the insurance companies have been doing for the last 40 years because they don't want to pay these claims. So having a photograph that backs up exactly what you said boosts your credibility. So the photograph shows exactly what you described, and it shows exactly the neglect. And there's another part of this, and and, and it's funny because I can always go to recent cases where these things become important. You know, we have a slip and fall in our office at a large supermarket. And, of course, the supermarket has their surveillance cameras from up above, and you can see our client walking down the aisle near the freezer section, and she turns to look at something, and all of a sudden her feet go out from under her, and she lands on her buttocks. And she lands pretty hard. If anybody's ever fallen that way or slipped on ice or anything like that, you know how hard you land. And, you know, unfortunately, when you're in your mid to late 50s and you do that kind of thing, it can cause a lot of damage. Well, you can see her fall, 
but because the surveillance camera is way up in the ceiling, you can't really tell that there's anything on the floor. It just looks like she slipped. Well, she took photographs of what was on the floor, and which you can see in the photographs that are taken from, you know, five and a half feet away as opposed to 35 feet in the air, is there's a long line of water coming out from underneath these freezers. And it starts about two feet before she slips. And you can see that there is grocery cart tracks and foot traffic, dirt from the, from the grocery cart wheels and dirt from people's shoes inside this water, indicating that this water had been accumulating on the floor for a long period of time. In other words, a long enough period of time that this particular supermarket should have seen it and should have done something about it. And that's that's the standard in Florida. Did this potentially dangerous condition exist on the floor of this particular supermarket for a long enough period of time that the supermarket knew or should have known about that? Well, if we just had the surveillance video from up above, you wouldn't know that anything's on the floor. And even if you did assume that something was on the floor, you'd have no idea how long this water was on the floor. But because we had um, pictures from five and a half feet away of dirty footprints and dirty cart traffic, our, our shopping cart wheels tracking through this water, we were able to show, or we are able to show, that this water had been there long enough that the supermarket should have done something about it. So, yeah, you know, we talked about the remark to show the conditions. This, what I just told you today, came up in arguments just this week. And so that's why these photographs can be so important in a slip and fall. Again, here with Charlie Cartwright from the top-rated law offices of Gonzalez and Cartwright, PA. And, Charlie, we've spoken about the importance of taking photographs of an accident and the importance of getting the contact information of witnesses, eyewitnesses who may have seen the accident. Now I want to touch on a little something else and start by saying that, look, I'm a sports radio guy. I'm watching games. I'm checking scores. I'm not as up to date on what is going on up in Tallahassee in terms of state government and how changes to law might affect my life. And I, and I think that probably goes for a lot of Floridians. So I'm wondering, Charlie, if you can just fill us in on some of the important things going on up in Tallahassee these days. And I did want to talk about that, Cyrus, because we're actually in a position right now where our rights, including the choices of which doctors we go to, our rights as consumers and our rights as small business owners are are being uh, cut back and given away to large insurance companies in a particular bill that's um, in committee in Tallahassee right now. And I did want to talk about that. Um, one of the things they're going after is auto insurance claims. I'm not, you know, what happened with the property claims is understandable. There was a crisis in Florida. What's going on with um, with the auto claims, it, it's kind of a different story. 
it's more of a giveaway to the big political donors. You know, with the property insurance, you know, you are down to very few carriers writing policies in Florida. With auto insurance and, and business insurance, you have 49 or more carriers currently writing policies in Florida. There's really no, no crisis. They're changing the rules, um, essentially, for everybody. And if you make a mistake in your small business, if I make a mistake in my small business, if one of your listeners is negligent in something for their business and it causes injury and damage to somebody else, as a small business owner, we recognize that we've got to make that right, and that's why we buy insurance not just to protect us, but to protect us, the people who come in contact with our business, so that if, you know, we're sued, we have somebody to depend on our insurance companies. What the insurance companies are asking the legislature to do is change it. So if we're negligent, we have to pay. But if the insurance companies are negligent, they don't have to pay anymore. The same as a consumer. So as a consumer, you do something careless and cause somebody injury, you're responsible. Again, they're changing it for the insurance companies. If the insurance companies are simply negligent, they're not responsible. Now, if they're willful or wanton in what they do to you, well, then they're responsible. But if they're just careless in how they handle you and your claim, they're not responsible. That's one of the changes they're making specifically to the law. The insurance company acts negligently and carelessly there's no liability for the insurance company. Another thing that they're doing in this law, they're doing away with attorney's fees in the event you have to file a claim against your insurance company and sue. I need to tell you how fair it is now and how this works. If you feel like your insurance, let's say you have a life insurance policy and it's on your Uncle Harry, and you're the beneficiary of Uncle Harry's $100,000 life insurance policy. If Uncle Harry dies, you're expecting to get the $100,000 life insurance policy. Sure. Well, let's say the insurance company says, well, we're not going to pay you because, you know, we think that your Uncle Harry did something wrong under his life insurance policy. Right now, in order to get attorney's fees, you have to then file a notice with the state, give the life insurance company 60 days to correct their mistake. And if they don't correct their mistake, then you can sue them. And if you win, you get attorney's fees. And why do you get attorney's fees? Well, let me ask you this, Cyrus. Do you have a family? No kids, so so no family of my own, you could say. Okay. Well, when you were kids, and you and your brothers and sisters were kids, and your father bought a life insurance policy. Why did your father buy that life insurance policy? So that, God forbid, if he is no longer with us, then the family will still be financially stable until my brother and I can earn our own keep. Right, and he tries to buy enough life insurance so that he's got enough to protect you guys, at least to give you guys a decent life until you're old enough to do it on your own, correct? Mm -hmm. Well, imagine the insurance company saying, eh, well, you know, Cyrus, we know your father passed away, but we're not going to pay the life insurance policy. Let's say it was a million dollars. We're not going to pay the life insurance policy because, you know, we think there was a mistake. And now you have to sue the life insurance policy. And your dad calculated out a million dollars 
would be enough to put you kids through college and pay the mortgage while you're going to college so your mom would have a place to live. Well, now you have to hire an attorney, and now the attorney wants a fee. And so now you're paying the attorney 33 and a third percent to sue the life insurance company. And when you win, the attorney gets his attorney's fee of a third, let's say. And now you're getting $666,666 instead of the million dollars that your father was counting on when he bought the policy. So it's always been Florida law that in those circumstances, the insurance company, if they improperly denied a claim, would be responsible for the attorney's fees so that you and your family would get the benefit of their bargain, the million dollars, and the insurance company would pay your attorney, not you. They want to change that. It's been the law in Florida for as long as I've been practicing law, and that's 30 years, and it was a law long before I started practicing law. They're trying to take away our rights. They're basically giving the benefit to the insurance company. So now when your dad dies and there's a million-dollar policy, your insurance companies can call you up and say, hey, Cyrus, look, you know, we know the policy is a million dollars, but if you really want the million dollars, you're going to have to hire an attorney. You're probably going to have to wait a year and a half because of the way the courts work. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll offer you $800,000. So now they can turn your million-dollar policy into an $800,000 policy because they have no fear of paying attorney's fees. And you're actually better off taking the $800,000 because now you don't have to pay the attorney and now you don't have to wait a year or two to get the court to decide that you're entitled to it. This is a giveaway to insurance companies. The insurance companies are supposed to be there when we need them most. That's why we buy insurance. There's no shortage of companies writing auto policies. There's no shortage of companies writing writing uh, life insurance policies. There's plenty of them. This is not a crisis. This is a giveaway. And if people want to stop this, they need to let their elected representatives know that this is not the way. This is, this is not the right way. There are things they can do um, in reforming Florida's courts to protect small businesses and protect consumers, this is simply a giveaway. And, and, and let me add something else that they're including in this in this legislation. They've added in that if you're in one of these accidents, if you or your daughter or your father or your sister or your brother are in one of these accidents, you can only recover Medicare rates or Medicare rates for your injuries. That's going to limit everybody's doctors, that's going to limit who you can go to. Many of the top physicians in town don't accept Medicare and Medicaid. The reason why, Medicare and Medicaid pay half or less of what even private insurance pays for the same procedures. They're taking away our choice of physicians, they're taking away our rights, and they're giving all that to the insurance companies. I, I really encourage people if they want to do anything, to let their local representative know this is not the way. I respect the idea that there are issues with our court. You know me. I call balls and strikes. You know, you have lots of people who are pro-DeSantis. You are lots of people anti-DeSantis. I could probably sit here right now and tell you five things DeSantis has done that I totally agree with and five things that DeSantis has done that I totally disagree with. He's been right on things. He's been wrong on things. I call balls and strikes. This one, this one is just a foul ball. This one, there's better ways to do it. Again, speaking with Charlie Cartwright, 
from the top-rated law offices of Gonzalez and Cartwright and talking about things that are pretty darn important. So, Charlie, I'm wondering, why would the government officials, why would the decision-makers do this and seemingly act against the interest of Floridians? Well, here's why. Because the biggest lobbies in Tallahassee, the most active, um, the the lobbies that spend the most money on campaigns and donations and manpower in Tallahassee, it's the insurance companies, it's the big corporations. I'd ask your listeners to tell me, each of you, how much money have you spent on lobbyists in (laughs) Tallahassee? I would venture to say that 99.99% of your listeners are like, I've never needed to spend any money on lobbyists. You know, that's why. You've got to follow the money in this case. And, and, you know, what they're really hoping for, and, you know, this happens a lot with legislation. This isn't uncommon. You and, uh, you know, you and I and most most of your listeners they're all in Tallahassee hoping you won't notice and it won't bother you. And, you know, it really doesn't have a great deal of effect on you until you're the victim. And, and I'll give you an antidote that will tell you exactly what I mean. The reason that we have the laws we currently have in Florida requiring these insurance companies to pay attorney's fees and setting up the bad faith rules and the civil remedies notice, which is a step in filing bad faith, is because back about 40 years ago, a high-ranking, I don't remember if it was the Senate leader in Florida or the House leader in Florida, he had an insurance company deny legitimate claims on his property, and as a result, suffered more damages to his property and other damages that he could recover in bad faith against the against the insurance company and he found out there was no way to claim bad faith damages from an insurance company when they act in bad faith on a first party case so he brought this to everybody's attention so that's that's kind of the problem that you have why are they doing this because most people in the state aren't going to realize it's a problem, just like this uh, leader in Tallahassee didn't understand the problem until it was his house. And what's going to happen is all of us Floridians, all of your listeners, aren't going to understand the true problems with this legislation until it's their father's life insurance policy or their husband's life insurance policy or it's their sisters, brothers, mothers, fathers, sons, daughters, medical care that's being restricted. So that's why they can do they do this because of the lobbyists and the donations. The reason they think they can get away with it is because they think that most people aren't going to notice. I'm not saying that what they're seeking is not a noble goal to fix inefficiencies, waste, and fraud in, uh, in our court system. Yeah, we got to do that. But there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. And, and this one doesn't help anybody but 
big insurance companies. My understanding is the Florida Medical Association is against it. I believe Florida Justice Association is against it as well. But the problem is they don't have the lobbyists and the money and the donations that these giant industries do. Again, Cyrus Wittig here wrapping things up with Charlie Cartwright of Gonzalez and Cartwright PA. And Charlie, I want to wrap this thing up. We're almost out of time by talking about the Miami Hurricanes. We usually talk football, but it is officially March, and you know that means madness. Miami, winners of the ACC, they got a pretty good shot of making some noise in the tournament. The only thing they won't have going for them this year, Charlie, is that they won't sneak up on anybody like they did last year as the 10 seed. But again, a really great squad. Charlie, tell me why you like this Canes basketball team. Let me give you a couple of opinions on that. I don't think they need to sneak up on anybody. (laughs) Miami's got five guys that can go for 20 in any given game and are usually getting four around 15 points or more in every game. They've got three guys that that could play point or shooting guard on virtually any team in the country. They're a really good team. It actually bothers me that a lot of these uh, bracketologists have, have them as a five seed. The ACC is being disrespected. I think Miami's being disrespected. I think if they won the ACC, my opinion is if they won the ACC tournament, they should be a two seed. Isaiah Wong is going to be player of the year in the ACC. He's, you know, Whenever they need something, he's there. Nigel Pack is as good a point guard as there is on any team in the country. Um, Jordan Miller's averaging like 17 points a game, had three games in a row where he went over 20, and he's the third option. This is a really good team. They're slowly starting to recognize it. In December, they were 75 to 1. This week, they're listed at 50 to 1. I think that's a complete steal, even at 50 to 1. And this is a really, really good basketball team. I encourage people to watch it. What it will remind them of is the Golden State teams from about six years ago, seven years ago. Not a lot of size on the team, but everybody on the team can shoot, and everybody on the team can shoot with percentage from everywhere. Yeah. And so it's fun. You never know who's going to pop in the three. You never know who's going to pull up at the elbow and hit the two. Because everybody on the team, everybody on the floor can do it and can do it at percentage. Great scattering report. Great breakdown of the Canes. Wishing them the best of luck in the ACC tournament this week. And then hopefully another fantastic uh, march as we head towards the tournament with Selection Sunday coming up in just a couple of days. Charlie, got to let you go. As always, I appreciate the time and all the information so much. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Iris. Bye-bye. Once again, that was Charlie Cartwright from the top-rated law offices of Gonzalez and Cartwright, PA. Gonzalez and Cartwright, PA has offices in West Palm Beach, Lake Worth, and Pompano. And for the West Palm Beach number, that is 561-556-3514. Again, the West Palm Beach number for Gonzalez and Cartwright, 561 556 3514.